We'd like to thank The Daily Dot for sponsoring our live show at the South by Southwest podcast stage. The Daily Dot covers the intersection of the state, technology, dank memes, YouTube stars, geek culture, and Trump-era feminism. The digital website reaches a monthly audience of more than 20 million page views. You can expect a series of new podcasts in 2017 from The Dot, and you can subscribe to its new pop culture pod, The Upstream Podcast, on iTunes. The Daily Dot's. Real journalism for the internet age. And while you're there, I highly recommend checking out my two favorite sections, which are Parsec and Upstream. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, Chris Southby. And I'm Southwest Bean, and today we are going to be doing something very special live from South by Southwest. First time doing a live show. Yeah, there's people in front of us. It's not just me alone in my apartment <laughs> with the windows drawn. <laughs> yeah, Chris and I do. I live in Minneapolis, and Chris lives here, so we do everything over the internet. So this is extremely weird. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, and thanks. Just want to thank South By and uh, TuneIn for having this podcast stage. Absolutely. Really awesome. And then Daily Dot for sponsoring this special live episode. They uh, really helped a lot with promotion. Yeah. Mm. So today we decided we usually do like lyrical deep dives into Kanye songs, really going line by line and explaining what makes those songs so great, getting a lot into the narrative ability because we think Kanye is uh, a narrative mastermind. <laughs> yeah, we, um, Chris and I started a film website a few years ago when we wrote, we write these absurdly long pieces about movies and oftentimes we found ourselves comparing movie techniques to things Kanye West does. <laughs> and it kind of was a natural progression to like, we just need to spend a lot more time talking about Kanye West, so we started this podcast. Yeah, and uh, nobody listened. And now we have a room with a generous number of people (laughs) spending their time listening to us talk. Uh, It's kind of insane. Yeah, so today we wanted to do a special overview of the album Yeezus, because that was really, while we had always liked Kanye's music, Yeezus was the one that made us go, like, oh oh shit, he's doing something kind of uh, next level here, isn't he? Yeah, it was like, and two, when it came out, it was an album, even for Kanye fans, like generally detested. Like not a lot of people liked it. Um, and to me, it felt like like if two, when 2001 The Space Odyssey came out, I'm sure people like did not enjoy that movie, but like there were a handful of people who like loved it and understood what it was doing, and that's how I felt about Yeezus. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've written a ton about Yeezus. We've talked a lot about it. And um, today we're really going to be going over the narrative of the album and kind of the themes and motifs moving throughout it and how it's actually a concept album that um, details a man's slow dip into insanity. <laughs> but then with a, a, little, yeah. a little uptick at the end. Where he meets Kim. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting because you mentioned 2001 A Space Odyssey and 2001 will do very... Uh, visual things like they build up this bone as a tool in technology then they throw the bone in the air and cut to a spaceship like thousands and hundreds of thousands of years in the future and you have this visual match where you're like oh this bone is actually like a ship there's a technology theme this is the kind of stuff that Jesus is doing where something like to pimp a butterfly will have a poem that moves between tracks it lets you know a little bit more like oh there's continuity between these tracks and okay, we're paying attention to the continuity here, but Kanye doesn't really use those indicators in that way. It really takes kind of the active listening. So you could listen to Yeezus 300 times and not necessarily pick up that there's a consistent narrative moving through. Yeah. But uh, that all changes today. (laughs) You will understand it fully. Yeah, that's our our life mission, right? Some people (laughs) want to be astronauts. Some people want to be doctors. (laughs) 
We just want people to be like, oh, Jesus is a pretty good album. <laughs> At the very least, we're not going to make try to convince you to like Kanye, but hopefully you respect him by the end of this, either, or this album. <laughs> yeah, so I guess getting into the album? Yeah. Uh, kind of the main topic that we want to discuss with it, are there three kind of huge aspects to it, and that's Kanye dealing with ego, and we see an arc with the ego, and then Kanye dealing with relationships and women, and there's an arc with that moving through the album, and then Kanye working with race, and there's this idea of race and collapsing kind of the historical things that had happened with black culture into ego and the relationships with the women, which is really fascinating to see him play out through the album. Yeah. Like, each time I listen to it again, I get more and more like, ooh, Kanye. Ooh, Kanye. <laughs> Okay, we want to dive into the first song then? Yeah. Okay. Yeezy season approaching, fuck whatever y'all been hearing, fuck what, fuck whatever y'all been wearing, a monster about to come alive again, soon as I pull up in Good old on-site. <laughs> so... One of the key things in on sites as we get into this is the demonstration of ego. Like this is really the opening shots of a movie where you're just seeing this character that's at the heights of his like bravado and the heights of his God complex going through a club scene and being like, I'm the fucking man. Like <laughs> I'm the best. Like you, you're going to bang me tonight. Like you, like give me your number. Like it's just machismo to the extreme. Yeah, he starts with Yeezy season approach and he gets his own season. It's, <laughs> he's, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's summer, there's <laughs> fall, winter, Yeezy season, spring. Like, that's just the way the world works now. Uh, but you hear that going through the track. It's just nothing but this kind of like hard, fast, uh, superficial life of the club scene and sexual conquests. But you get this interlude where the music softens and becomes kind of the first soul stuff we've been hearing from Kanye since like graduation. Like it's music that we didn't really hear on 808s that wasn't really on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And then it comes in here and you get the voice saying, he'll give us what we need. It may not be what we want. And having that voice of he referring to, you know, assume, God, on an album called Yeezus, there's some a connection there that will play out over the course, but this foreshadows actually Bound 2 and the end of the album, because that's the first point in which that music comes back in any significant way. So it's cool. It's almost if you were watching a movie and you saw this character acting like an asshole, and then it cut to later and you saw him like holding a baby, <laughs> and you're like, hmm, how are we going to get there? How will we get there? <laughs> And it's really cool how he uses, like, this interlude, you'll hear it when we play the clip, but um, whenever someone is, like, featured on this album or there is a break away from the norm of what, where the music's going, it actually serves as a sort of out-of-body, like, look at Kanye. Like, I think I, we were prepping yesterday and I compared to, like, Jiminy Cricket. Like, suddenly, like, there's a figure there that's, like, either giving advice or, like, letting the audience, like, know something, like, some other character, and it's... And it's kind of setting up, um, a like you said, a lot of the things to come on the album. And um, it's, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, just that use of the voice is really interesting because I don't think you see a lot of the guest verses uh, or guests on outros or intros used to the degree of forwarding the plots. Usually it's just for the sound of their voice or because it's like great to have Snoop Dogg on like a hook. <laughs> but here there's... Uh, an actual uh, reason to have Bon Iver and Chief Keef because one's representing the softer side of Kanye and one's representing the harder side of Kanye. And there's a tension between the two that's actually playing out over the course of Kanye having uh, this conflict between who he is going to be on the album and who he wants to become. Yep. And the other huge things that sets up is romance becomes a very big part of this album. Not until the fifth song. The first four <laughs> songs, uh, it's a lot of ego and um, racial discussion, but the song does set up that uh, his headspace when it comes to romance at this point, he is 
you know, the fucking man. He goes to the club, he does whatever he wants, and it's all meaningless sex, but as we'll see later in the album, it's not just meaningless sex to him, it's something he's trying to connect with somebody. But for now, as we're just entering the character and setting him up, we're seeing a bit of a monster. Yeah, yeah, poor guy. <laughs> uh, so can we... It's too many hoes in this house of sin. Real nigga back in the house again. And I know she like chocolate men. She got more niggas off than Cochran. How much do wanna give a fuck? Let me show you right now before you give it up. But I gotta back in and put my dick in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so. Given, I think, in that smaller sample space, you're really just like, oh, yeah, that's uh, very forceful <laughs> in terms of <laughs> how sexually aggressive it is. But then you move into Black Skinhead. And can we get the... And there's really uh, a bit more of an intense energy heading into Black Skinhead, where on site's kind of this like cool, calm demeanor, it's like intense, but it's almost Terminator-esque. Uh, with Black Skinhead, you get this kind of raging beat, and you really see this character that has uh, not a good lifestyle. There's a fragility to the mortality and the psychology that's going on, which you get in lines like four in the morning, and I'm zoning, they say I'm possessed. It's an omen. I keep it 300 like the Romans, 300 bitches were the Trojans. I've been a menace for the longest, but I ain't finished, I'm devoted. Uh, I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. So you're really just getting these scenes of this person that's like, has no control in their life. Yeah, um, and it's interesting too. I mean, the song starts with, for my theme song, My Love of Black Jeans on, which um, I think t to me signals the progression of Kanye, um, not only as a storyteller, but as his use of imagery. Like if. I don't know if anyone knows the song Good Morning, but he starts that song with um, the, I'm the Fly Malcolm X by any jeans necessary. Very clever line. By any means necessary, by any jeans necessary. He finds self-worth in the clothes he buys and the way he presents himself, but in this song, it really takes it to another level where he puts leather black jeans on. It's suddenly this, this defining characteristic of him, and it's black jeans in a song that is very racially charged where he's talking about racial issues, and it kind of like... To me, it's insane. It, like he, it encapsulates him all of a sudden. Like the struggle he's fighting against, and the the things that are inspiring him and making him angry in the song are literally on his body. <laughs> yeah, it's it's meaningful, and that imagery is key because it's not just like I have cars, I have money. It's like I have leather black jeans on, and I'm getting my scream on. So you just picture this guy clad in black and screaming, and to transition from that to enter the kingdom but watch who you bring home. They see a black man with a white woman at the top floor, they gonna come to kill King Kong. Middle America packed in, came to see me in my black skin. So there's something to this about how society is viewing him and how he's demonstrating himself to society in a way that here is just very, very racially charged, but goes with his ego. He's King Kong at the same time on display, but also has the power in a situation where he's also being viewed for entertainment and powerless. Right, and King Kong is like a metaphor for uh, slavery, right? Like bringing, bringing black people over from Africa. Like he's, use, he's making this, again, the imagery, this idea that he is King Kong on like a top of a building and everyone's like watching him. He's, he's next level, he's both crucified and like judged to his spot, but he's big enough and huge enough of a star to have this place. And probably this, the key moment here is that he's getting at all these tensions in society that are being kind of put upon him and where he's placed. And he says, here comes some conservative Baptists claiming I'm overreacting. And then he launches into that hook about not being able to sleep, about going 500 and out of control. And you can start to put together this idea that the societal pressure and the pressures he's feeling are leading him to kind of this more disastrous life. Uh, that he may not necessarily want to be living. And that comes out again in New Slaves. Yeah. And the other key part of all this is um, he wants people to join his plight. He wants people to f help him fight back. And um, 
and show that there's more to black culture than what meets the eye. But as we see in the song, the, this whole album is about kind of alienating himself. And he even alienates himself from his own people. So as the song goes on, he says, like, stop all that coon shit, all that morning cartoon shit. And black keeps repeating in the background. And it's this idea that he can't even get um, black people on his side. He can't even get people to, his own people to understand him. So as the song carries on and it keeps alienating, the song ends of him going, God, God, like getting frustrated. Mm. And then he keeps repeating God to the point where he's screaming God, which leads into the next song, which is called I Am A God. <laughs> it's this kind of uh, manicness, like, like you, you picture somebody like saying words over and over and like kind of like, like crazy people in the street, you know? And like that's actually being used here to go into the next song and show that like he's screaming to himself, he is a God. Yeah, which poor guy's not. <laughs> He's really not. Uh, can we get the clip of Black Skinhead? For my theme song, my leather black jeans on. You see a black man with a white woman at the top floor, they gon' come to your King Kong. Middle America packed in, came to see me in my black skin. Four in the morning, and I'm zoning, they say I'm possessed. It's the omen, I keep it three. I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. But there's nowhere to go. Stop all that coon shit, early morning cartoon shit, this is that goon shit. These niggas ain't ready for action, ready, ready for action, action. God, 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 God. is that uh, it's probably the most ironic song that Kanye's done in the fact that he talks about hurry up, like I am a god, which you imagine has all this power and authority to where he can do anything he wants, like the genie in Aladdin. Like, okay, <laughs> like Abu, you're an elephant now. But instead he's saying like, hurry up with my damn massage, get the Porsche out the damn garage, like I, where are my croissants? He keeps asking for things and nobody's giving him anything or bringing him anything that he wants. So if you just listen to the, like, what he's saying, then you're like, oh, this guy thinks he's a god, what an arrogant asshole. And you kind of write the song off. But if you're looking at what's actually happening and the power that he doesn't have in the song, then he's just somebody that thinks he's more than he is and is frustrated which is kind of why the song descends into very loud vocal screaming, <laughs> where he's just very upset with the fact that he's understanding that his power is not as grand as he would imagine, that it's more delusion than anything else. He's also not a likable god. He starts his verse <laughs> saying, as soon as they like you, make them unlike you. He's very aware of the perception he puts off and how he's alienating, and instead of letting it frustrate him, he kind of embraces it. Yeah, he's just like, whatever. Like, I just talked to Jesus. He said, what up, Jesus? Like, I'm chilling. Like, An actual line from the song. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to play it off cool, but uh, this is really kind of the, the seams tearing apart because now we've seen a guy that's like, has a very superficial way of spending his time, and then he's living kind of in a psychotic way, and then has this sense of entitlement that's not confirmed by the world around him. So in three different aspects of his life, he's uh, not being very fulfilled. <laughs> like, it sounds like somebody on the brink of some sort of collapse. Yep. And he closes out his verse with um, hopping this bitch to give Saint the garment until the day I get struck by lightning. So, bringing back the 500 out of control kind of lifestyle, he's going, he's all in. You know, he's gonna, he, he can survive getting, like, struck by lightning. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really next level stuff and it, and it leads into him that scream at the end like that flips everything on its head and this is one of the things I love about Kanye is there will be these moments like a scream in the middle of a song where you hear it and you go was I listening to this song wrong like am I supposed to be catching something else and to me this signals like somebody very sad and pathetic and is running around the streets at night like 
alone and probably like high on drugs or something like who knows like he's just so out of his mind yeah yeah and i just i love the fact that it all kind of boils down to like he's in a french ass restaurant <laughs> and looking around just like hurry up with my damn croissants like the dude can't even get croissants like <laughs> that's that's a basic human right right i can get croissants yeah like somebody croissants, croissants? <laughs> i mean get croissants <laughs> uh okay yeah I am a god. Hurry up with my damn massage. Hurry up with my damn menage. Get the Porsche out the damn garage. Soon as they like you, make them unlike you. This kissing people ass is so unlike you. Gas polos with a fucking backpack. But everybody know you brought real rap back. Nobody asked in a French ass restaurant. Hurry up with my damn croissants. I just talked to Jesus. He said, What up, Jesus? else actually sing along with the screaming when they listen to Jesus, or is that just me? No, you know it's me. <laughs> I'll be like windows down at a stoplight with Jesus playing. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> make eye contact with whoever's around. <laughs> uh, can we get new slaves? Actually, probably one of Kanye's most beloved songs. Probably the only song on this album that people actually like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, I remember when this album first came out, so many people would be like, I kind of hate that album, but New Slaves is great. <laughs> like, yeah, well, the whole album's just, <laughs> the whole album's great. Uh, but New Slaves really gets into a lot of the, the racial stuff at this point with the opening verse of, my mama was raised in the era when clean water was only served to the fairer skin. Doing clothes, you would have thought I had help, but they wasn't satisfied unless I picked the cotton myself which now he's, again, getting at the idea that despite his celebrity and despite his ego, there's still these racial issues that are coming to the forefront that are limiting him in a way. Yeah, well, particularly his fashion line. Like, he tried to break into the fashion industry right off the bat and didn't really know how to work the politics of everything and was not embraced. So that line kind of gets at that, the, unless I they wasn't satisfied unless they picked the cotton myself. He really did kind of go out and like force himself into the fashion industry. And then he goes on in this verse to collapse what's going on with consumerism and spending everything on Alexander Wang, new slaves, and looking at the fact that there's a consumerist slave society that we are kind of addicted to the stuff we buy to cover up what's inside, so to say. and it really gets into this idea that as you reach this level, you still can't overcome some of the, the history of things um, that you would really like to, which is what's been kind of building throughout this entire part, which results in Kanye being like, I throw these Maybach keys, like, fuck you, I'm gonna fuck everything up and tear everything down, and like, I'm finished with this nonsense. Yeah, and he also, in, he says he's gonna throw them out because he, he sees himself as a leader. Like, I don't wanna be another slave. Like, I, wanna, I don't wanna be a slave to the system. I wanna lead, like, a new revolution. And he has this line, you see it's leaders and it's followers, but I'd rather be a dick than a swallower, <laughs> which is crude and puts a lot of people off. But um, again, he says, he has that line, and I am a god. Um, as soon as they like you, make him like you. He doesn't say things the way everyone wants him to say them, so <laughs> he says something ridiculous like that, but it totally gets off the point. He's trying to say that he's not going to just be another slave. He will lead a movement, although throughout the rest of the song, that's not what happens. No, and it's actually kind of interesting because he says in the start of the second verse, I see the blood on the leaves. I know that we the new slaves. I see the blood on the leaves, and... Blood on the Leaves is a reference to the song later, which was a famous song about lynching and strange fruits and there being blood on the leaves. So here he's making this comparison to consumerism, new slaves, that people are dying because of this and he's going to be a leader by throwing the keys, but nobody's really following him. There is no movement that's happening. It just results in him like being upset and wondering what people are going to say now. He's going to air his shit out, but does anybody care? 
and the only way he knows how to get back at them is to um, fuck their spouse. Like, he has this <laughs> whole line about this, and, like, that's his way of getting back at these people. And, again, it just returns to the on-site mentality of meaningless sex, just, like, disgusting, like, lifestyles. And he doesn't, it's kind of the cyclical thing going on where he's not getting anything accomplished, um, which is how the song closes out and is a perfect lead-in to Hold My Liquor, which is a song where he tries to reconnect with that former romance. And there's a, a key line that's one of the maybe most important moments on the album, but it's actually in Hungarian, which is one of those things. Like, that's not something Kendrick would do, right? Kendrick would give you the lines, and you'd be like, oh, I can see how this will connect later. But you get this Hungarian voice at the end that's saying stuff that most of us don't understand, but it translates to, one day the sun, too tired to shine, slept in the deep green somber lake, and in the darkness the world did ail, until she came for all our sake. And right there you get this idea that the sun, who could that be, <laughs> is ailing, so is now going to rest because he's been fighting this battle and just is too tired to go on, but is waiting for this woman to come along and she's going to be the savior. Oh. That explains so much of what's going to happen for the rest of the album, but because it's in Hungarian and whispered almost, you just kind of ignore it. But that's one of those things of how he's using outros and guest verses in a way that yeah. isn't normal to further the plot of the track. And when you hear it, it's, I mean, it sounds like ethereal, and it's meant to mythologize what he calls the good bitch, you know, the, the woman that will finally get him out of the funk and... Um, you know, live his life like a proper human being, which doesn't happen until actually the next album, so. And there's something important, too, in a little bit of the soul music that we heard in On Sight comes back at this moment. It's his big release as he's saying, I won't end this high, not this time again, so long, so long, you cannot survive. But then it goes back into this despondent state. So it's almost like you're seeing the emotion finally burst forth through all this hard music and hard beats. And then you get an emotional decline <laughs> that results in some very sad songs before finally meeting the Kim figure in Bound 2 where the soul music comes back in. And the sun stops ailing. <laughs> uh, I love a happy ending. Yeah. My mama was raised in the era when clean water was only served to the fairer skin. Spinning a thing on Alexander Wang, new slaves. You see his leaders and his followers, but I'd rather be a dick than a swallower. We the new slaves. I see the blood on the leaves. I see the blood on the leaves. I see the blood. You and your corporation, y'all niggas can't control me. I know that we the new Maybach keys, fuck your say be. I know that we the DEA teamed up with the CCA. They try and lock niggas up, they try and make I'm not to turn shit up. I'm about to tear shit down, I'm about to air shit out. Now, what the fuck they gonna say now? And then that brings us to Hold My Liquor, which sounds much different than anything else now, which... I can't handle no liquor, but these bitches can't handle me. So you get two voices at the beginning of the song. You get Justin Vernon from Bon Iver, who's singing one way about being dark and lonely now and not being able to handle his weed, and he's on to Indiana. And then you get Chief Keef coming in, who's like, can't handle my liquor, like, I can't be controlled, but people can't control me. Uh, and then saying, you really just know the old me. Like, you don't know me, you just know the old me. So there's a, a distance between he and his friends, and also a loneliness that's been brought in, which completely undermines everything that we heard on, on sites, Black Skinhead, and I Am A God. Like, this kind of vulnerability is going to dominate the rest of the album moving forward, but it starts with Kanye going back to an old flame. Uh, he's waking up on her sofa. He's like fucked up her car by running his car into it. Uh, he's trying to get back with her, but it's kind of that desperate thing where he needs validation and is feeling too vulnerable and tries rushing back to this girl who he had connected with. But 
that's not going to work. How often does that work? <laughs> and a, another important distinction here is he goes back to this woman who is from his past. And in the next song, where he, it's dominated by sex and like disgusting imagery, it kind of represents the new Kanye. So this is also an important introduction um, that'll be, that is huge on the life of Pablo, his next album. The album is covered with this phrase, which one? And it's this idea of old Kanye versus new Kanye, like who he used to be when he was embraced by the world and he wore pink polos and backpacks, and the new Kanye that everyone hates because he's trying to alienate them. And sing songs about being a god. <laughs> so him going to this woman, you're right, very vulnerable moment in his life. He's, he's kind of opening up and hoping to be accepted by somebody who accepted him in a time when the world embraced him. But he's still not at a stage where he can have that kind of connection with somebody. So he's just drunk and fucking around and trying to get back with her. And when her aunt comes over and is like, yo, this guy's like, he's just a late night organ donor. He's not going to be there for you. He doesn't want to actually have a relationship with you. He kind of is like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I'm, I'm going to leave. Yeah. And Etta doesn't quite go well for him. But what's important on this track then is that he's looking for some kind of connection and isn't getting it from his history and needs to move on to something else. And that something else is kind of some meaningless sex again right now where he's trying to find meaning in it this time but is struggling with that. Yeah. Um, and the song ends with him saying, calling up your uncle's place, shit's all over the place, I don't hear your phone, I want to phone home. Which is interesting, phone home, to me, is kind of an important line. Yes, there we go. Um, it's from E.T. And it is something that you'll actually see a lot in this album is this like childlike imagery. Like later on, he talks about sleeping with a nightlight. That's on the next song, actually. And it's, this, and it's an amazing thing that he actually has done on 808s and Heartbreak, one of his other albums, um, is that he hasn't learned how to grow up yet, <laughs> which is key on that album because his mom died right before it and you see him trying to deal with these things. Like he's in the midst of a celebrity lifestyle without knowing how to deal with it yet. And it's still actually continued to ease us. Yeah. And at this point he's the biggest you know, rock star in the world as he proclaims himself. And, um, but he can't connect with this person and that's how the song ends. He has nobody that he's connecting with, which is kind of a, a loneliness and isolation that's very damaging. So what do you replace that with when you don't actually have an emotional connection with anybody that you're dealing with? You kind of try to fill that with physical interactions and make them more than what they are. Which, which will be the next song. Yeah. Bitch, I'm back out my coma. Waking up on your sofa. One more hit and I can own ya. One more fuck and I can own ya. Yeezy's all on your sofa. These the red October's. Still in. You love me when I ain't sober. You love me when I'm hungover. Then the auntie came over. Skinny bitch with no shoulders. Baby girl, he's a loner. Late night organ donor. Soulmates become soulless. When it's over, it's over. And bitch, I'm back out my coma. gets sad <laughs> yeah and then i'm in it comes in and it's just like sexual explosion from yeah. the from the beginning uh, lips very soft they're gonna get in he's drawing some bath water and they're gonna have a sexy time bath do we want the intro of that yeah it's so you go from this very sad music to a woman moaning yeah, and it's much harder again, just in terms of the beats, much more familiar to on-site. And here you have a first verse that's just all about sex, getting condoms, uh, eating Asian pussy, all I need was sweet and sour sauce, like tell your boss you need an extra hour off, get you super wet after we turn the shower off. Like that's some sexual intrigue. <laughs> and then it has a bridge from Assassin, and it's just talking about like a bad man thing and like, guns and action and 
it's much more back in this braggadocio, like super, like not even superstar, just like uh, ego-driven, like don't fuck with me, I'm a man, which is a backlash from the vulnerability he was just showing on Hold My Liquor. Exactly, he's trying to connect with, you know, his uh, his crew. Like he's trying to show like he's still a badass, which is an important part of this album is the exterior he's presenting to the world and what we're actually seeing on the album, what we're hearing. We're hearing the vulnerability, but in this verse, which we'll hear on there, it's very hard and in your face, and he's talking about spraying bullets, and it's, we know that's not him. No, my favorite line from Assassin here is, uh, disrespect, we know take, no way Jose, try that upon February the 30th. <laughs> that's right, couldn't try that, not a day. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, February 30th is not It's an interesting choice. <laughs> but it's just this, like, like, aren't I tough? Like, don't fuck with me. But then you have Justin Vernon coming in again. So he's contrasting with this other, like, rap vocalist that's more on the braggadocio end. And he's saying, like, you know, stepping on cracks on the floor, which goes along with bad luck and breaking your mom's back and this idea that you're fucking up. Uh, and he's like at this girl's door knocking and she's not opening up and he's having this like vulnerable moment again just after having this tough guy moment and then you have Assassin and Justin Vernon and Kanye West all melding after Kanye's next verse which is right so it's all of these so you have Kanye you know the celebrity you have the Assassin um, who represents the hard exterior, and then you have Bon Iver, who is appropriately the inner poet, who just is self-deprecating and mourns about every, every woman that doesn't love him. And uh, they're all mixing, like in this verse, and it's leading to this line, that's why I'm in it, and I can't get out, which is key, because up until this point, he's been saying, I, that's right, I'm in it, like it's cool, like I'm having sex, but like, I'm in it and I can't get out. It's an addiction all of a sudden. It's, there's a problem here. And we also see a collapse now of the relationship with the racial history that had been going on with the line, put my fist in her like a civil rights sign, which it's very gratuitous, but uh, you can imagine it. <laughs> I think it's actually probably the key line in his entire discography. Um, <laughs> it, I think it says like everything about Kanye West, even though it is vulgar and really not becoming of him, um, it, to me, encapsulates the entire struggle of the album, everything he's fighting for, everything he believes, and it floods out in this moment of imagery where he takes it out on this woman. Like, all of his anger comes pouring out, and it's, it's such, a, to me, a bold line to do, to, sh to really show the state this character's in. When put a fist like a civil rights sign, civil rights movement was a big deal, and he's collapsing that to the idea of just sex, like a, a meaningless sexual gesture with somebody that doesn't even love or care about. So he's reducing something that had meaning to something that's just superficial and has no actual impact on the world at large. Yep. Um, and then the song closes out with what a lot of people consider his greatest stretch of, his greatest verse, I guess. Yeah, he just starts going off about all these contradictions. Uh, he's got the kids in the wife life, but can't wake up from the nightlife. He's so scared of his demons, I go to sleep with the nightlights. Like, I'm a rap like a priest, getting head by the nuns. <laughs> they don't see what I'm saying. They be balling in the D-League, I be speaking swag healy. Like, there's so much of a range of being vulnerable in respects of like, I'm so scared of my demons, I go to sleep with the nightlight but then the confidence of saying they're balling in the D-League while I'm speaking Swahili. Total Kanye. <laughs> Total fucking Kanye. Damn, your lips very soft. As I turn my black baby off. And I turn your bath water on. And you turn off your iPhone. Your titties, let them out. Free your last. Thank God Almighty, they free your last. Peace and love, all the bittersweet. I was lost. Eating Asian pussy, all I need was sweet and sour sauce. And a bad man, if you know, say disrespect, we no talk. No way, Jose, try that charge like OJ. That's right, I mean it. Shouldn't know, I'm in it. Uh, 
picked up will be left off. Uh, I need you home when I get off. Uh, black girl sipping white wine. Put my fist in her like a civil rights sign. And she came like, ah! That's why I'm in Time to take it too far now, uh, Michael Douglas out the car now, uh, my mind move like a tron bike, uh, Papa Willie on the zeitgeist, uh, they be ballin' in the D-League, uh, I be speaking swag Healy. And there's a, there's a key line in there about Starfucker, which we didn't quite talk about, but <laughs> Justin Vernon comes in at one point and starts saying Starfucker over and over again. And then the next song is about the dynamics between men and women and how men will just want to like bang girls that are attractive and girls just want guys that have money. And there's this hollow dynamic in the relationships between them, which he collapses with the idea of strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees where each of these groups of people aren't helping each other and in fact are hindering each other from moving forward, uh, which is very sad. Yeah, so can we get the Blood and the Leaves intro? Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Blood on the Leaves. Blood on the Leaves. Yeah, I can't Which again, hear it without uh, it. we noted earlier, but he said it earlier in the album. He's foreshadowed the song already. Yeah, which was on a song about being slaves to consumerism. And here, this is all about men consuming women in a sense as like a commodity and women looking at men as a, as a means to an end when it comes to acquiring items. $2,000 bag with no cash in her purse, like eek. Yeah. Well, and so in this first verse, he's really in the present moment talking about how he has these girls that are around him that aren't helping him with anything. They're really just taking money from him and the relationships keep falling apart because they're not based on anything and he's running out of money. Not a good place to be in. But then it moves into him reminiscing over a relationship where we could have been somebody, which is really the heart of the album. This guy had suffered heartbreak at a previous time before the album started and now reaches a point where he's finally opening up about the fact that he's hurt and couldn't ever really recover from that, which is why he had his hard exterior. He was that upset about it that he just was fucking around for so long. So you get the lines of, we could have been somebody. Uh, where did that go? Oh, let's take it back to the first party when you tried your first Molly and came out of your body, like running naked down the lobby and you was screaming that you loved me before the limelight tore you, before the limelight stole you. Remember, we were so young when I would hold you, before the blood on the leaves. Mm. So there's really something that's been lost between him and this girl that had to do with celebrity, had to do with the loss of innocence, had to do with the inclusion of money. And at the end of it, he's a wreck. Yeah, but then we see him again pushing back against that and saying like, fuck it, like I'll just be with my homeboys and like I'll do what I do and like uh, I don't need romance, I don't need a woman in my life and we see him transitioning to the final verse where he gets into all of the, rela the relationship dynamics and the gender um, politics and everything. It's a much more macro approach. So before he's talking about himself, like this is what happened to me, Ouch. And then he's getting into just, you know, second string bitches trying to get a baby, trying to get a baby. Like, I don't give a damn if you used to talk to Jay-Z. He's with Beyonce. Uh, she Instagram herself like bad bitch alert. He Instagram his watch like mad rich alert. He only want to see that ass in reverse. Now you sit in courtside, wifey on the other side. So this is no longer about him. It's just the situation on a whole, which is what's kind of ailing society in this day. It's the collapsing now of that consumerism with hollow relationships with the racial backdrop of strange fruits and this idea that this is now what's ruining lives. Yep, and it's pretty much how it ends. Yeah, and the outro then is him just saying to breathe and breathe and breathe and breathe and live and learn and live and learn. He's not going to make these same mistakes again. He has to calm himself and can't let this continue to 
uh, keep a stranglehold on him. Right, and that's another huge part of this album is the idea of memories. He talks about memories a lot and how they shape him and how they help him grow, um, but don't necessarily change who he is and like the image he puts off. So um, that's actually a perfect lead into the next song. I just need to clear my mind now. It's been racing since the summertime. I ain't got the money on me right now. And I told you to wait. These bitches surrounding me. We could have been somebody. Said you had to tell somebody. Before the limelight tore you. Before the limelight stole you. Before they call lawyers. Before you tried to destroy us. How you mother niggas with I'm down with my niggas out. Instagram myself like bad bitch alert. He Instagram his watch like mad rich alert. Hey, you sitting courtside, wiping on the other side. Gotta keep them separated. I call that apartheid. Then she said, Till death, but do your part. Uh, unholy matrimony. I mean, it, that's the very next line. So after having this big revelation about how these hollow relationships can destroy you and have been ailing people, he starts the next song with, I need to call it off. <laughs> I need to, I need to make it known, another one, something gone, which seems to imply that this isn't the first relationship where it's just whatever was there between them just vanished. Uh, and he tries to find out what it is. Maybe it's because she's into Leos and I was into trios, which I could see that being a bit of a problem. <laughs> uh, a lot of people in relationships really like monogamy, but... Right. Uh, you do have this uh, Jamaican rapper, Pop Popcan? Popcan. Popcon? Coming in, and he's saying, all them have gone softer. All them have gone softer, softer than clay. And this is really Kanye now reflecting on the state of his relationships and the need to move forward and with the song called Guilt Trip. <laughs> but now he is softening. He's becoming the clay and is no longer in that kind of assassin, Chief Keef mindset. He's being a little, uh, a little honest with himself. <laughs> yeah, he even has a line peeking through the keyhole, the door locked by myself. He's acknowledging the barriers he's created. And then he says, and I'm feeling it right now because it's the time when my heart got shot down. Very vulnerable, very open about the, that he is at fault for a lot of what he's done throughout the course of this album. Yeah, and it's sad because he's remembering the relationship that he had, but he's hopefully at a point where he wants to move on. But he has this line to express how hurt he is, feeling lied to like parents never said you adopted. <laughs> like, That'd be a horrible thing. I just always think about that. Like, what if, Chris, you're adopted. I'm like, could have told me sooner? A little sooner. But he tries to push back on this idea of how hurt he is with onto the next saga, focus on the future and let the crew knock her, which just like, I'm totally done. Like, I don't care what happens. I'm just gonna pass her on to whoever. It's a very, braggadocio line, but he follows that up again with that softer than clay, softer than clay, and then it's Kid Cudi coming in at the very end going, if you love me so much, then why'd you let me go? The most Kid Cudi line of all time. <laughs> That's uh, prime <laughs> Cudi. But yeah, if he was really over it and really ready to let this girl go, he would it be having Cudi coming in and singing over and over again, if you love me so much, why did... Yeah. It's perfect for the next song, too, Send It Up, which is him. The song sounds a lot like On Sight, you'll hear, um, when, whenever, when we actually listen to it. But it has these elements of the beginning of the album all of a sudden. We're moving out of this kind of auto-tune sound that we've had for a little bit about the romance, and he's back to being a badass in the club. You, 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 like, you're fucking me. Like, all this kind of movement that's going on all of a sudden. But we know from these Kid cutting lines that, like, it's not real. Like, he does miss you know, having a connection of somebody. And what's 
really fitting going in to send it up and that return a little bit to the hard exterior is that the final lines, you have Cuddy singing, Why'd You Let Me Go? Then you have Popcan, Popcon singing about softer than clay. And then he comes back in and says, none of them have the guts to rise it and spray. None of them have the guts to bust the SK, which is now back to this kind of gangster lifestyle of guns and acting tough. So with the premise being true that he's using that as kind of the tough guy look, the hard exterior, you would imagine the next song would be about being a tough guy in the hard exterior. And lo and behold, <laughs> that's exactly where he goes with it. And this moment, I usually like to compare it to the movie Waterboy, uh, or really any Adam Sandler mo movie, because it always starts with Adam Sandler in one state of mind. Like in Waterboy, he's a mama's boy that has no prospects in life. And then he becomes a star football player uh, for a college team. But then he's found out to have cheated. Oh, no. So he goes back to being a mama's boy for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Just very short before he has this heroic return and wins the football game. Like, beautiful movie, but... So Bobby winning the football game is Kanye getting Kim, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we have this moment then in this album, which is part of the heroic journey, where the hero rejects the call for a second time and tries to return back to the roots, to the safety of being who he was before breaking out of that cocoon into somebody new. So, clip from Guilt Trip. Another one, Capricorn, Capricorn, that's enough, all in Another one, maybe it's cuz she into Leo's and I was in the trios for some and I'm feeling it right now, cause it's the time when my heart got shot down. And then another stark contrast with the next song. <laughs> Reliving the past <laughs> You're lost And in line with that idea of returning to where we started This song sounds most sim uh, similar to On Sight The very first song of the album And has Beanie Man at the beginning Straight up saying reliving the past Which, that's pretty cut and dry <laughs> We see Kanye regressing to exactly how he wasn't on site. He's had this journey, he's supposed to have learned and grown, but um, we see that he's still putting out this exterior that's not really him. And we have King Louis with the first verse, who's just like classic kind of gangster rap that you'd expect, it's like just being tough, talking about like selling drugs, guns, women, cocaine, uh, and then saying like, we can send this bitch up, it can go down, which is saying like, Yo, we can fight if you want. If you want to cause problems and you want to like kind of wild out, we can do that. It's this tough guy expression. And then you get Kanye coming back with like, this is the crayest shit in the club since into club. It's so packed I might ride around on my bodyguards back like Prince in the club. He's being juvenile again. <laughs> He's like, Prince. <laughs> I just want to smack him around and be like, Kanye, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this, Kanye. Um, and then... The verse is, it's pretty straightforward. He's doing this kind of lifestyle again. And then at the end of that verse, he has this line, trite, tight dress, dancing close to him. Jesus just rose again. Jesus, in this case, I don't know if I have to state the obvious, but <laughs> um, he's essentially, Jesus, this character, this idea that he's on the level of Jesus that can talk with Jesus, he's reduced it to his penis. Jesus it rose again, and this, it's kind of, to me, kind of sad that this is all he cares about now. It's like, I'm such a god because like, I can have sex with whoever I want. <laughs> yeah, but Not because he's created change or started a revolution, he's just back to meaningless sex. Yeah, and the fact that he starts off with this idea of Jesus in the first four songs, you're like, 
oh, this is a powerful guy. Like, that's why he's calling himself Jesus. But by the end, you realize Jesus is just what he's calling his penis when he's trying to sleep with women. It just reduces his power to, like, nothing. He's just uh, a man driven by urges rather than a man that's actually able to affect change in the world at large. Uh, and there's the key line, too, with while he's back in the club scene and trying to hook up with this girl, and her heart colder than the souls of men. Like, there's nothing that's ever going to be here with these girls that he's meeting in this place. They don't want to have that emotional connection. And he's not able to have one either because all of his powers in his. <laughs> but then it closes with the key lines of this song. Memories don't live like people do. They always remember you. Whether things are good or bad, it's just the memories that you have. So. While he is presenting this hard exterior, he's also letting us in on the idea that he has actually grown from this experience. He Internally, he has, but he's still putting out this image uh, that is polarizing and is, and is why people still tend to hate him. Yeah, and right before this, you get King Louis coming back in with saying, we can send this bitch up, it can't go down. Except this time following Kanye's verse, it's talking about the sex now. So where earlier it was like King Louis talking about like the hard kind of gangster stuff, now it's just Kanye being like, yo, we can have sex. Do you wanna have sex? Please have sex with me, please. And to follow that up then with Beanie Man saying this stuff, it's almost like that moment where somebody realizes like, there's nothing meaningful in this. There's nothing to this. I'm only doing this because the memories are haunting me and I can't change the memories. So I need to just like leave. I'm just gonna, you have a nice night. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna call me a fasten, and that's it. Rockstar bitch call me Elvis. MOB, she call me selfish. Last night my bitches came in tools, and they both suck like they came to lose. I be going hard, I got a name to prove. Killing them, her name hot, make the pain improve. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this, this the crazy shit in the club. Sis in the club. I said, can you get my friends in the club? I said, can you get my bins in the club? When I go raw, I like to leave it in. When I wake up, I like to go again. When I coded in the souls of men. Louboutin on the toes again. Tight dress, there's a close to him. Jesus just rose again. does meet a girl in that club, though. <laughs> he does. It's how he meets her. What you doing in the club on a Thursday? So all that clubbing, you know, kind of paid off. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's a main lesson to learn from this. <laughs> Just keep going back every weeknight. Yeah, that's why I keep going back to Chipotle. <laughs> I know at some point it's going to get me ripped. <laughs> that's it. But you can tell just from that clip of the intro of the song, it's a much different vibe overall. Much more like happy, soulful, positive in a way to where you're like, oh, what's going to go on here? He meets a girl. <laughs> he meets a girl. Um, he says lines like, I know I got a bad reputation, always walking around mad reputation, leave a pretty girl sad reputation, start a fight club, Brad reputation. <laughs> it's very self-aware. <laughs> and this is kind of the actual self-awareness that matters in relationship dynamics. It's not him being like, you know what? I am a god. I'm a god. I'm a god. It's like him being like, yeah, I bother people. I really can bother people. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm feeling a connection with you. Yeah. And maybe I can do maybe I can do right by you. So they start off and what you get then is a kind of up and down relationship. Like they're going to take a trip, but he's going to turn the plane around if her ass keep complaining. So it's not the most romantic end all be all of relationships where you're like, this is a Disney fairy tale, but it's progress for this character. Right, and that's an important thing to note. It isn't like Kanye singing about his relationship with Kim. He very much, on all of his albums, and especially on the next one, The Life of Pablo, he's a hyperbolized version of himself. So 
this is actually a perfect leading. Like it would be kind of crazy to me if he was just a perfect husband and like ready to go like right off the bat and bound two after send it up when he's just like hitting on girls in the club. He's still got problems. He still has things to work out. He's threatening to turn the plane around. He's kind of a dick, but he has found love and he's like working with it. Yeah, and you get this line from Charlie Wilson, who again is a softer voice, just like Justin Vernon. So you've had these softer Vernons, or softer voices like Justin Vernon and Charlie Wilson compared to Assassin and King Louis. But it says, I know you're tired of loving, of loving with nobody to love, nobody to love, which encapsulates this journey that this character has been on, who's really just wanted to have a connection, but was hurt and didn't know how to form one, and then was struggling to be true to themselves in terms of admitting the pain that they felt. But now, you know, making some progress. <laughs> and he does, again, it's a perfect lead into the life pop. We always talk about how it isn't just narratives on the album, but there's a discography long narrative going on. Uh, so the life of Pablo deals with him uh, learning to this tussle between being like a player and like a celebrity, could have sex with whoever he wants, and being a true husband to, and being a family man and being a dad and everything. Um, and we see that lead in kind of, like he has this line, I want to fuck you hard in the sink. After that, give you something to drink. Step back, get spunk in the mink. I mean, damn, what would Jerome, Romy, Rome think? Jerome, Rome is um, from Martin, this kind of like hyperbolized, like badass character who is egotistical and- a player. Yeah. And so in the back of Kanye's mind this whole time, he's still thinking like, well, what would Jerome, Rome think? Like he's still in this mentality of, I can't abandon like what people perceive me to be. Yeah, so even when he's doing something nice, like giving this girl something to drink, like that's sweet. He's still worried like, oh, somebody gonna be judging me? Like, am I not being tough enough in this moment? Am I not being like a man in this moment? But then he shuffles that off and starts thinking like, okay, like we made it to Thanksgiving. Maybe we can make it to Christmas. And he even starts thinking like, maybe we could still make it to the church steps. Like, that's awesome. Like, he's really looking to the future and trying to be a good guy. Um, and then he says, after all these long ass verses, which verse here having the double meaning of him going back to thinking I am a God, but also the verses of just being a rapper, he says, I'm tired, you tired, Jesus wept. And this gets back to the idea of being tired of having love but nobody to love. And now both of them who have been so tired trying to find somebody have found somebody. And you think it's gonna end all happy. Charlie Wilson comes back in. I know you're tired of loving and it sounds like it's gonna go out in this epic note. And then Kanye comes back in and he just says, bound. Yep. And Jerome's in the house, watch your mouth. Yeah. Which right there, again, it's this pressure of he can't just have the relationship, but he's worried that this other dynamic of feeling bound by the ego, the social pressures of being a celebrity are going to stay present in the relationship. Which again is a perfect lead into the life of Pablo where he see him dealing with all of that throughout the album. And that's Jesus. Yep, so that's... just play the last one. Uh-huh, honey. All the mother niggas lame and you know it now. When a real nigga hold you down, you supposed to drown. Bam. What you doing in the club on a Thursday? She said she only here for a girl birthday. I know I got a bad reputation. Walk around, always mad reputation. I turn the plane around, your ass keep complaining. How you gonna be mad on vacation? Close your eyes and let the word paint a thousand pictures. One good girl is worth a thousand bitches. After all these long adverses, I'm tired, you tired, Jesus wept. Jerome's in the house, watch your mouth. Jerome's in the house, watch your mouth, your mouth, your mouth, your mouth. Bam. 
everybody wants to know. Oh, that's the intro again. <laughs> Anybody have any uh, questions? Anything they want to talk about? I think we've scared everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Alienated them just like Kanye does. It's perfect. I'd have it no other way. But <laughs> thank you all for staying, for listening, for uh, enjoying Yeezus with us. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, thanks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.